What's going on? What's going on, man? It's Big Chief checking in with my boy Parlay in the apartments. Meet me in the apartments. Hey, Parlay. Meet me at the apartment. <laughs> Yo. You already know this your boy Parlay live from Digital House Studios. And we in the apartment with Parlay. Meet me in the apartments. Listen, I love my city, ATL. Ain't that like it? I promise. When you come here, you get stuck here. Come, what they say, come on vacation. Uh, Whatever the words is. But I, you come here and you don't leave. You know what I'm saying? Only thing I love more than my city is the west side of my city. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Bankhead. Long little squall. Rest easy, Charlotte. Rest easy, we fly, buddy. Listen, man. You know, I like all my podcasts. I like everything I be doing, man. But today is a little different, like, because I have another entrepreneur. And this entrepreneur that I have today with me does something that I never seen somebody do before. Our, of our people, you see what I'm saying? Um, I always speak. I always speak black on uh, support each other, support everything everybody doing, whether you you need it or not. Real says support it, you know what I'm saying? Because we had to keep that money in the house, you know what I'm saying? And I'm scrolling through my Instagram, and I'm just watching. You know how you be just watching stuff. I'm watching the um, what they call the thing, the stories, the the reels. I'm watching the reels. And I got down, see this nigga on that motherfucker, he sit down, you know, he stood together. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm seeing, and, and you know, I smoke, so I'm into Leafs and, you know, where they come from and Gabba Leafs. And, you know, I sit and watch YouTube and watch all this stuff. So I'm intrigued to watch it. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't just what he was doing, it was how he was doing it, his setup, his ambiance. You know what I'm saying? I forget what it was. Nigga, it, it was on the outside of some shit. Can you imagine just pulling in the hood, right? You just see a table right here. You like what the fuck? And nigga right there sitting, sitting right there like, boy, like he like from life in the boom boom room. He like the boom boom room and uh, from life in that motherfucker suited booty. You understand me? But I watched what he was doing, going down this page, watching. I was just intrigued by what he do, and I I, I, I hit him up like, hey bro, you gotta come on here and do this on in apartments. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like it's a great educational point. Um, it's a lot of smokers out here, and I think that what he do is being a black person doing it. Like I say, I ain't never seen it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'd welcome my next guest to the show. You know, fucking tobacconist. Okay, what's your, all right, what name do you want me to say? You can call me Chief. Chief. Yeah, Chief. Chief, because I, Chief, the tobacconist. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Greetings to the tribe locally, uh, the tribe worldwide. Man, I'm Chief, a new city. I'm in Rod, Chief Tobacconist and founder of Dreamer Cigar Company, Mississippi's own um, only tobacco maker and the youngest tobacco maker in the nation, man. So, friends and family call me Chief. You know, it's an honor to be here with you, Parlay. So, you can call me Chiefs. We can Chief today together. Nah, for sure, for sure. Together. Nah, together. for sure, for sure. Now, nah, what was so, what, what made me like, I ain't never seen a black person make cigars. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. Like, like never. And I never actually seen a cigar being made. From from start, from, uh, start yeah, to finish. Okay. Start to finish. Okay. And when I seen I'm gonna tell you what fucked me up real bad too. Cause I seen you roll one of them motherfuckers up, right? In in a roll and a half. Alright? I seen you say you did like that. And I said, That motherfucker done? And, he, and the camera showed that bitch. I said, that bitch tight as hell. I said, oh, let me watch the hell of the shit with it going on with this shit. It's Lord. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> nah, for real, nah. That, that Yo, shit, what's up, man? That shit very intrigued. When, how did you get into this? Okay. Uh, so most people, when we think about Mississippi, man, we think about, you know, backwoods, country, you know what I'm saying, country living. 
Um, but particularly, man, you know, Mississippi, you know, really the home of, of a lot of Native American tribes, you know what I'm saying? Uh, my family being some of them, hence the, uh, hence the tomahawk, which is my great-great-grandfather's uh, tomahawk right here. Uh, so tobacco was used in our family for a lot of spiritual practices at first, you know what I'm saying? So when I had chicken pox as a kid, you know what I'm saying? My mama didn't, didn't give me calamine or some, uh, lotion or oatmeal and nothing like that. And she put, she put me in a hot tub of water, soaked tobacco leaves, like red man, whatever she can get her hand on. At the time, uh, of course, it was used for, like, headaches and all that. So I've been around tobacco. You know, we all got country cousins, grandmas, or something who used to chew red, man, stuff like that. So tobacco has always been around. Uh, but got my start, man, as far as taking it on as a hobby uh, from my brother Daryl Harper and uh, Mark Van Buren, who gave me my first cigar about 10 years ago. And uh, it was a Churchill cigar shop, man. So shout out to Churchill out of Jackson, Mississippi, man. So I had my first cigar there. And, uh, man, the biggest thing for me, was a lot of talking points that you had, my brother, was the fact that you didn't see too many people doing it. And what I seen in the marketplace for me, because I'm always on that whole, let's seize the moment. If it's a moment there, let me go ahead and jump in that slot. Why ain't nobody running it? I didn't see a lot of black-owned brands um, taking off uh, or making it making it over the hill. I, I guess what I would consider going mainstream, if you will. So I'm like, yo, I got to figure out a way to do this. So when I started really like looking into it, what I found was, Every cigar company, then not just only a black-owned company, not only had a middleman, they middleman had a middleman. You know what I'm saying? Mm. They made sure they kept us out of the process. And the way to really make money in this, I would compare it to the dope game. You know, you gotta you gotta know the plug. You know what I'm saying? You gotta you gotta have some kind of connect and, and, or or do it yourself or have the product yourself. Mm -hmm. So uh, you know, our family grows it. So it was like, okay, well, how can I squeeze myself in? So I started becoming a real student of the game, man, really trying to figure it out, trying to figure out what the people wanted, what they liked, what the vibe was, the feng sway. Uh, so I started working in the shop. My first shop I worked in was in Dallas, Texas, man. Shout out to DNB, uh, Guard Corner, brother from Mississippi. How the hell you get all the way down there? I mean, I moved, I moved trying to travel for it, man. I was trying to get it no, no matter how. You know what I'm saying? I knew that uh, if I wanted to see how it was going to be done proper, I needed to go to one of the big cities. At least that was my opinion at the time. Like, I needed to get out, out of, outside of Mississippi to go see how they doing it at a high level. So I ended up taking my travels and shit to Dallas. Ended up out there, my first opportunity rolling, uh, getting a chance to be around a cigar shop, man. I started working off in there as a tobacconist. And for those who don't know, man, uh, a tobacconist is essentially uh, uh, it's a profession completely based around tobacco, but not just limited to actually serving to uh, serving the tobacco, but you deal with the the day the day in day uh, operations of a tobacco shop. So you consider someone who's a hookah expert. You walk into your, your 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 neighborhood smoke shop and get your Rillos, get your raw papers or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's a tobacconist. That person is involved in your smoking experience. You know oh, okay. So that basically, that's, so <clears throat> in a nutshell, that's a tobacconist is really just people who deal with tobacco. Mm -hmm. okay. So a hookah person. So if you got you got a home girl got some got a hookah business, she a tobacconist. You know, if a brother got a smoke shop where you come pick up your papers, your Rillo, whatever you may need, that's a tobacconist. They just picking a, a certain type of tobacco that we are dealing with. You know what I'm saying? We in predominantly like white neighborhoods or something, you know, the tobacco of choice is like dip, snuff, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. You know, it's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you put uh, you know, chewing, uh, you know, some of them call what we call dirt powder. You know what I'm saying? What is dirt powder? Snuff. You sniff, uh, so <laughs> it's that, Why y'all call it dirt powder? Uh, cause it, cause it ain't it ain't it ain't that Betty White. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it ain't that Betty White. You it know what I'm saying? It. Brown, but it go up the nose the same way. Yeah, they do the same yeah. thing. Uh, so they uh, so for people who don't know, man, in London, man, they started like taking uh, ways to make sure they use all the tobacco. So what they did was they took powder, like they grinded up like the the uh, the the. I had one on the floor, but I will show it to you. 
the stem, the stem of, the, uh, of this leaf right here, man, uh, is where all the tobacco, uh, the nicotine come from. So mm -hmm. it spread it out through the plant. I want you, I want you to think about uh, tobacco leaves like collard greens. You know what I'm saying? So the water spread out through, or the, the content spread out through the uh, this, this stem right here. They'll take the stem, grind it up into a fine powder, and put it on they put it in their pocket and hit that thing. That's it's gangsters. It called snuff. Snuff. Yeah. And what's what's the trick name for it? <laughs> dirty what? Dirt, dirt powder. Dirt powder. Dirt powder, man. <laughs> that dirt powder. Yeah. So you know, and oh uh, man, I'm telling you, so like, but even then, you using that for like colds, bro. You got like a bad sinus infection, respiratory infection, or something like that. Man, you hit that stuff. Right dirt there. powder. Oh, bro, it coming out of you. The dirt powder get you right. Oh. I ain't never heard. I don't heard of some country shit in my life before, but I ain't yeah, never heard of this shit. No, <laughs> dirt powder. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the dirt powder. It's dirt powder. Literally, I mean, literally, I mean, if you, it's they treat it just like cocaine. I mean, I ain't bullshit. I mean, they literally. So what else? Is, what else they use the dirt powder for? Uh, when you get sick, I mean, I mean, they they can't. It's too fine where they can't. They can't. Uh, sit it in they in they in their mouth, you know what I'm saying. So some people may take a little bit and throw it up under their tongue, you know what I'm saying. And it, not just not a lot to clout their teeth or anything, but just enough to put on their tongue. But most of it, man, they go ahead and snort it. It's just like you, it's almost like a B a BC powder for your na for your nasals, you know what mm. I'm saying. All right, but they but it's nicotine. So the thing is, bro, you you snort that stuff, man, it clean you right on out, man. I'm talking about it coming down. I'm your whole nasal passage clean out, and you know some old country folk use it like that. You know what I'm saying? That one just it was my first time seeing uh seeing when I saw white people do it that I got a chance. So I'm like, oh, this look like them boys having a party party. You know what I'm saying? But it was just it was <laughs> it was dirt powder. powder. You God know what I'm saying? They hitting the snuff. You know what I'm saying? But uh, to see it like rest uh for uh, illnesses and stuff. You know that's very common. So I did that, man, uh in DMB uh in Dallas. And from there, my brother, I was like, hey, I need to figure out how to take this further. So I started working for uh, BAT, which is the British British American Tobacco Group, which is the people who made Newport, Palm Miles, Camels, you know what I'm saying, uh, Cools before they sold the ITG. And I got a chance to work, uh, be a, a senior division manager for them. How the fuck you link up with them? From my resume with the, uh, with working in tobacco field, starting off in that, in that shop right there. They took that as enough. And then, of course, you know, I was in the military and everything, brother, so... Got a chance. They had a stout resume from there. Had sure. went to college and all of that, man. And so you college know, you went to. Uh, so started off crazy enough. Uh, started off at Georgia Military College in Millersville, Georgia. Uh, ended up going to Morehouse College for a little bit, um, and then the Army brought me back home. So I finished up at Jackson State University. Uh, you know, back home in the Jack. So I leave. Hey, yeah, well, Paulie, <laughs> that was up. It's a nice leaf, dog. Hey, what's up? It's a nice leaf, dog. <laughs> it's a nice leaf, dog. Hey, what's up? That hey, what's up? Yeah, I said roll, watch your roll with the leaf. He gave me the leaf. Right. Nice leaf, hey, dog. Bring, okay. Facts. Hey. Nah, for real. All right, so we got it stamped by Parlay in nah. the apartment. I ain't flexing. Y'all know I don't cap y'all down for worth of shit, yo. I'm going to keep it 100. That what's up. That what's mm -hmm. up. I'm glad. It, it, it lighting up, too. Yeah, it's fine on up. Yeah, what it's supposed to do. Exactly. So went to the BAT, bro. Found out how they really do the business. Mm -hmm. And that was big for me. Find out how they do the business. You know what I'm saying? So how they how they make money off in the gas stations, how they market the business, you know what I'm saying? How they distribute uh, where they go around and how they get market research. I started looking up at seeing certain gas stations only had non-mentholated cigarettes. You know what I'm saying? Then some gas stations, when you get out our way on our side of town, it'd be, it'd be menthol. You know what I'm saying? The Cools, you know what I'm saying? The Newport Box 100s. And I'm like, okay, so they start targeting everything by region. And all that data kind of helped me apply that game and, figure, and tell me what not to do. So uh, from that experience, man, uh, I start taking my trips, man, uh, to Cuba, man, to learn how to roll cigars. So I, form I got formally trained. I went to the source, man. 
You know what I'm saying? Uh, in my mind, I was doing some Frank Lucas shit. So it was like, I'm gonna go straight. <laughs> I'm gonna go straight to them boys. How did you? How did you know who to look for? Man, crazy thing in Dallas, man, it was this uh, cigar company called Williams Cigars, man. Um, I used to go out scout their place out all the time. Used to ask them, hey man, will y'all teach me how to roll a cigar? They were like, no, you know, they weren't gonna teach me because they were like, bro, what you gonna do with this information? So I just mm-hmm. started hanging out at their spot every day. I go out there for about an hour. You know what I'm saying? While I was finishing up some class work in grad school. I would go there, sit for two hours, two hours, ask every day. So I started saying, hey, bro, what do I need to do for you to give me that, give me the opportunity? They said nothing. They weren't doing it. So one day, uh, I said, hey, man, I sweep the floors. I wipe the windows. I take out the trash, whatever. And then they said, nah, again. So I said, fuck it. I went and got me a GoPro. I put on my book bag. I started walking off in there. I started recording them, boy. I, I said, okay, then I said, okay, I got that. Found me, uh, went and got to my people, got some leaf. Made me a first raggedy cigar. Just crazy enough, the brother's wife had got sick, and I, I asked him, I said, hey, man, I'm in the shop. I said, I can come help you do anything, and he let me come for the first time. But he didn't pay me. But he was like, hey, if you can, I got to connect over here. If you can get over here, we got you straightened out. And, that was, and that's how it started for me. You know what I'm saying? Wow. That's how the situation started for me, just for me being persistent, man. Because I was dead serious about starting. I ain't had $400,000 to start that. And so me, you just said, fuck this shit. I'm on some George Young shit. Some Frank Lucas, I'm just going to go over here. So I'm finna figure this and shit figure out. Figure it out. Real talk. That was the start of it. And how long was it? How long was that period before you can't got on that road? <clears throat> that period, so I, it took me a, a year and a half to convince them folks to help me. And then after I started, it was a 27 trip uh endeavor. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh over the course of 27 trips, it took me like three and a half years to kind of get get good enough where I was a stamp by the teachers and I was good enough, confident in myself enough to try to make a, a nice product. So all in all, four and a half years. Mm. Four and a half years. And I was still in the military at the time. So, of course, we got a chance to travel a lot with the military. So I took every opportunity on, like, breaks and stuff, like my little R&R, shoot over. You know what I'm saying? Shoot over, shoot over, shoot over. And then it was like, okay, you know, Cubans have a different style of rolling cigars than the Dominicans have a style of rolling cigars. So I, I shot over there and learned blending and stuff from over there, too. You know, and that was an easier trip to manage. Cause, you know, at the time, you know, Trump and them were just opening up Cuba to be able to travel for educational purposes. And since Cuba, uh, tobacco is pretty much the, the crux of the economy, almost like having like a Mercedes-Benz place or something like that uh, for Cuba. You know what I'm saying? So they kind of they, they that as education. They kind of that as education. So it was a good opportunity for me, and I was super excited, man, super excited. And, uh, man, it paid off, man. But I, I, was, I was shaky for a minute, bro. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna cap with you. Like I, I lost everything. I lost everything on it. Like yeah, I, I put dream. Yeah, I mean everything, bro. Uh, crazy thing enough, I came back home in um uh, 2018. When did you go? What year did you go out there? Starting, starting in 16, 16. Uh, with, like start with 15 first, the first trip, but then end up making like the longest stay, the first of the long stays in 16, and then end up making my last trip in 19. But I came home in 18. And do I came home with twenty dollars, man? Twenty dollars in my pocket. My po- uh, my partner gave me somewhere to stay. You know what I'm saying? I had my brother, my right hand man, and then to make sure they they uh, helped me lick my wounds, bro. And we got back cooking. And um and then January fifth, 2019, was when I fit, finally just jumped out there and we're like, we gonna start it. And we started the company, man. Uh, me and my uh, my brother Miko Shoulders uh, actually started the company together in January fifth, 2019, and uh. Man, now we distributed in 42 countries, you know what I'm saying, 38 states, you know what I'm saying, and we started with nothing. Wow. 
And you know, and crazy thing is, we in my words of my OG from back home, Kyrus, you know what I'm saying? Who I, that's the clothes I'm wearing right now. This is suit he made. Uh I'm only in my third summer. You know what I'm saying? He in his tenth summer in business. I'm in my third summer, man. And you know, God, all praises be to Allah, man. I'm, everything been sweet for me. But that's how I got started. That's how I got started. That's my my short long form of form of how I got started. Now that's a that's a hell of a that's a hell of a way to get piped up. What I always like to do is for everybody on my podcast, I like for all the viewers to understand who you are as a person. Mm. You know what I'm saying? What what drove you to have that free thinking to be like, mm. okay, I'm finna go over here, I'm finna do this. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like have them change bound to the way what you want, your creativity and what you wanted to do. Mm. So for the ones who know you, for the ones who know of you, mm. the ones who don't, let's go back to where you from, where you grew up at. Okay. Uh, so for everybody, I'm from the north side of uh, Jackson, Mississippi, Presidential Hills to be the uh, be exact. So Presidential Hills on the north side of Jackson. Uh, I love Jack Town. So uh, we got some. We got some of the coolest people from Jack Town. You know, David Banner from Jack Town. Uh, my partner Kimi Ali from Jack Town. Uh, we got other folks from Mississippi like Ray Shrimmer and all of them. But uh, Lil Lunny, you know, what I'm saying Long Live Lil Lunny. You know, what I'm saying so Jackson man, a cool place. That's where I'm from. So I'm from Presidential Hill. So that's that's forty nine North. So uh, grew up there, born and raised. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <clears throat> On the sibling? Yeah, I got some siblings, man. Got uh, some older sisters and a younger brother and sister too. So um, you in the middle? Yeah. Mm hmm. Yep. They say the middle kid be the bad as fuck. I was outside for a little bit. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I was outside for a little bit, man. Uh, but man, I could tell you, like you know, some people try to make it seem like. You know, they wanted that for, for themselves. I didn't want that. I was never that guy. You know what I'm saying? I was never that guy. It was kind of like my, my environment kind of made me have to do what I had to do to just kind of get by. You know what I'm saying? And uh, and some of that I was proud of, you know, at the time. And some of it, in hindsight, I'm still proud, you know, because I was able to, to know I ain't going to be here forever. And I'm going to make sure ain't nobody going to keep me from getting up out of here neither. And that was always my philosophy. But, you know, um, I had my mom, you know, my mom tried to make sure she prepared me for the warhead. You know what I'm saying? My mama was, you know, my mama really about that. My mama was in the streets. My mama really a street people. You know what I'm saying? She ain't play it, and she made sure. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we got the books, and she knew which she knew which one of us or whatever be down for whatever. And she tried to make sure that she catered our, our life experiences and encounters with her. You know what I'm saying? Uh, to 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 prep us. And you know, for me, you know what I'm saying? I used to be a little scary when I was a kid, man. I used to get, you know. You know, growing up in my my neighborhood, man, it was a lot of it was a lot of uh, a lot of bullies and you know and shit. You know what I'm saying? So and I was a little kid. I was little. You know what I'm saying? I was little. So my mom made sure. You know what I'm saying? I made I found my heart. You know what I'm saying? Real quick. So I used to be out there. You know what I'm saying? Just trying to really demand my respect. I, I hated bullies, man. So anytime I got bullied for a little bit, I got tired of it. I got them paws right, and anybody who wanted to catch can catch it. <laughs> If, Fuck is you said. And if I lost, I lost. But you going to fight me at three o'clock. Hey, you said. It out, you know what I'm saying. I took some losses. I got some wins. You know what I'm saying. But all in all, you know what I'm saying. I figured out, hey man, if if, if I can get control of my immediate environment, then I'll be alright. And so my mom spent most of my most of my childhood in and out. You know what I'm saying. At the federal prison system and stuff. And uh, you know, my father, you know what I'm saying, wasn't uh, physically in my home, but very active. So my granny raised me. And my granny was real old school, you know what I'm saying, went to church, you know what I'm saying, it was all about church, all about family, you know what I'm saying, all about protecting the lad name, including getting out there and handling that business, you know what I'm saying, on the family name, you know what I'm saying. So she was always- Granny was a gangster too. Oh, grandma was a gangster, you know what I'm saying. She taught school, though, you know what I'm saying, but she knew, she knew, you know, it was dangerous out there. You know, Jackson's so small, man. Like, moving around in Atlanta, I could see why 
they made it like little place like everybody ain't from Atlanta. Like this part, this ain't Atlanta. This ain't Atlanta. So just even being out here, I didn't get a chance to come when I was at Morehouse. Man, I just I was at, at, at Morehouse or at Fort McPherson before they closed. I ain't go nowhere. Else. I ain't hang out nowhere. Else. I ain't go get a chance. Man, I almost got robbed in the bluff uh, at the time. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Back at danger, dog. Man, bro, sure. I, I said, okay, yeah, yeah, let me stay from over here. Them boys on some other stuff, you know what I'm saying? But I had a good time. But Jackson ain't like Jackson. Oh, ain't I, hold on. How, 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 what the fuck happened? We got, we got to go there, Chief. What, what happened? Well, how, In the it, bluff. What happened? <laughs> what the hell you doing? Like? What I was going trying on? to buy a PlayStation, man. A dude told me, all right, so in the back. So I was leaving the cafeteria. And dude, I said, hey, man, I want a PlayStation for my dawn. They said, hey, man, bro had, a, bro had a PlayStation. So I'm like, all right, cool. Dude gave me an address. Told me to swing down on him. I made a couple. I got out. So I had my partner with me. He said, hey, man, he from Atlanta. He said, dude, ain't no PlayStation over there for you, boy. I'm telling you right now. I said, man, this dude ain't going to lie to me like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, if he got a PlayStation, I'm actually paying him a little more money. Man, I got over there, man. I got out my car, started calling calling on the phone, trying to see where bro at. They seen my car pull up. They thought I was still in the car. Yeah. Them boy come running up, running up for the car, left the car. Got no. him down the street. But you escaped one. And it went in my car. Let my partner, let my partner car. Hold on, oh, what did the partner say? <laughs> he get that baby. What's your partner say? With my oh, car, what you told him? I left that bitch in the blood. Boy, hey. <laughs> did you call him on the way or you wait till you got there? I got all the way back. I got the safety. <laughs> I got the safety. Them boys came on that. Yeah, like, boy. Boy, boy, I love boy, that boy. Listen, boy, Atlanta was not playing. And the crazy thing was, you know what I'm saying? I thought, at, the one, at one point in my life, man, I thought, the world wasn't no bigger than Jackson. And I thought <clears throat> being from the hood in Jackson wasn't no other hood that can compare. You know what I'm saying? And I get somewhere else, and it's a whole nother set of motion, you know, going on. A whole nother set of people, you know, different different upbringing, different stories to tell. And through my travels, man, I found out I was a hood everywhere. You know what I'm saying? But I was just smart enough, you know what I'm saying, to try to dodge it. You know, and that's the one thing I did. I, my mom did tell me, if you can avoid it, avoid it. And if you can't, then you got to handle that business. You know what I'm saying? But if you can get out of it, I let that car, man. That boy has some insurance. Yeah, that boy has some insurance. Yeah, that me. I yeah. wasn't playing around. I had to go. <laughs> yeah, so, no. uh, yeah, man, in my childhood, man, so my childhood was pretty cool, man. I ain't going to say that I, I, everything was uh, everything was bad because it wasn't, man. My, my grandma and them kept me in everything, speaking engagements. I went to camp, all that other type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? My grandma, while my mom was in prison, my mom made sure that I was still handling the agenda. You know what I'm saying? Go to school, try to get the grade. I played golf in school. I couldn't hoop. And none of that, so I ain't had no basketball dreams, and I golfed and stuff. And then you know, even in uh in our hood, playing golf was like, man, hell around, bro. You know what I'm saying? I look like a dude from Fat Albert. Won't be doing it yeah. wearing Kangos outside in the, in the hood and all that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My grandma was not playing about that, but you know, just being in the environment, man, uh, it let me know, you know, it could have been worse. And I'm grateful for what it is. And, uh, you know, that made me, that shaped me who for who I am. My mama really a hustler, man. And she put it all on the line. She she believed in what she believed in, and she put it on the line for it. And uh, and she took and she took whatever consequences came with that. You know what I'm saying? That Real was a, shit. And that was a big thing for me. You know what I'm saying? And that taught me a valuable lesson. So I tell, you know, some folks all the time, like, hey, man, I'm from the street, but I'm, I was street by proxy. It wasn't because I was trying to be street. You know what I'm saying? It's your product of your environment. You know what I'm saying? I, I, this is where I came from. This is this the lesson my mama had to tell me. I soaked the game up, applied the game, went applicable, and then left it alone if it didn't apply. And, you know, my mama made sure I was straight. And uh, I made I, my only thing was to make sure the, what she, the time she put in, what she did for us, that she didn't, that it wasn't a waste. You know yeah, what I'm saying? It wasn't in vain. Yeah. And uh, we had that bit. Shout out to my dudes, man. How old were you when you first started smoking? 
My first cigarette was at like 12. What happened? Man, my Uncle Bobby, man, before he passed, he used to be a Buffalo Bill fan. So he sit there and watch MASH all the time. And he said, you know, he used to have, uh, he used to have a Buffalo Bill coat that smelled like uh, Newports all the time. So one day I was trying to go take $2 out of their, out of their pockets. So I go to the can lady. And I seen a pack, you know, he had a little pack of, uh, a pack of camels. And uh, my first time I took one out of that joint. And my mama had just got arrested. So I'm like, forget it. I'm going to fire up one. My grandma was gone to the casino. You know what I'm saying? So I fired up one. <clears throat> I got sick. Uh, you smoked the whole thing? Man, yeah, I smoked two of them, actually. Oh, shit. And, uh, and so I thought we sprayed air freshener in joint, and we thought it'd be old when grandma came from home from the casino, and she lost some money, so she was pissed off. So she was like, man, hey, man, it's like smoking here, young Bobby. I ain't here. You know what I'm saying? Like, who been smoking? And you know, sibling ratted me out, went ahead and told. You know, that's cheap. You know, cheap been smoking. Grandma made me smoke the whole pack, the rest of the pack. The whole pack sitting right there. First time. Smoke the rest of them. Rest of them. Yep, and then after that, uh, I had a little brief stint with blacks. Like, how long? Okay, how long was it? How long was it before you smoked after that? After that pack, <clears throat> about five, six years. So you got to about seventeen. So, but now, now you, it, it, a lot of shit don't happen. So you ain't really learned from it. That you ain't experiencing it mentally no more. You just nah. like I remember that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It ain't, it ain't bothering me too bad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But then, um, I started smoking like far as um. Like, again, when I got in the military, you know what I'm saying? So, everybody, you know, it wasn't often, but I hit it like a little, uh, like, Philly Blunt. I used to have, like, the little Philly Blunts. We would fire up them out there. Um, people dip. So, I started dipping for a brief a brief minute. And that Dude was, dipping. Man, uh, Copenhagen, long cut. You know what I'm saying? What flavor? Uh, just a regular long cut. I ain't like the flavor. The wintergreens made me sick. It made me nauseated. Mm. And uh, so, just dip out there. And then, uh, you know, them boys. Big ones or little ones? The big ones. <laughs> <laughs> the bubble gumps, the bubble gump, yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, I had a big, yeah. big night. Uh, but you know, it was we man. Just, I, I I compare being in the military when you in Afghanistan, man, like being in prison. We waiting on we waiting on folks to send us letter. We waiting on folks to send us snacks like cookies and like you know your your girl or your homeboy or something. You a pack of black and miles or something. You're like damn, you know. It was like uh, I want like getting commissary. I felt I, yeah. like it felt like that. I mean, you, you damn, that crazy. Yeah. So uh, you know, I ain't never had to go okay. no prison. I ain't never had to go, but you know it felt like that. So you know that was my, that was my first time, and then after that, man, uh, started smoking cigars. Oh, uh, if I if I got a home, if I ever get a homeboy going over, I'm seeing that nigga all kind of shit man, every three dude, days. Bro, I'm telling you, man, I'm seeing that nigga everything. Man, dude, I feel so good when I start getting like cook like grandma cookies and hot Cheetos and Coca Colas and shit, man. But they ain't got no Coca Colas over there in the desert, man. Ain't nothing but dust and, and, and big camel spiders. Man, spider's probably about bigger than this board. Go ahead on, man. That oh, bullshit, shit. man. Eight-legged freaks, man. Look one up. Camel spider. How big it was again? Let me see. So I did tell you. Your first time seeing what you said. Man, I pissed on myself. <laughs> Stop bullshit. <laughs> Go ahead, on, T. I ain't playing, bro. Go ahead, on, T. But you, you seen Eight-legged freak? Whoa, whoa. You seen Eight-legged freaks? The movie? Yeah. Yeah. They like that. Nah, go okay. ahead. Okay, look one up. Look, look, look one up. Look nah, one up. For real, for but real. yeah, man, but it's been cool, man. So uh, that, that was a good thing for me. That was a good thing for me. That was a good thing for me. So yeah, I started smoking like seriously in, in the military. Yeah, while I was in the military. It was really on my way to get ahead, too. It was the, all the officers and shit at the time used to like smoke under the tree, chill out. And so that was my way to kind of get up close enough. Yeah, yeah oh, okay. so like, I went to the PX, bought a box of cigars, went on and said, hey, sir, got y'all a box of cigars. 
They they was impressed. I actually picked some good ones. I don't think I did walk off in there and say, "Let me get the highest box of cigars y'all got at the time." And they went that bad, like two fifty for a box. But you know what I'm saying? I walked over there and took it to them. They were like, "Hey, you you need you need a mentor. We'll mentor you." And that catapulted my military career. Mm. But at the time, like you said, you was already kind of into the mm-hmm. already back and forth yep. in, in the cigar shit. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then just uh, testing it out, smoking, man, really like a networking thing for me. And I enjoyed it. And a lot of the times we, we couldn't have we couldn't have nothing to kind of like decompress. And I would never know like no liquor drinker. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't handle no liquor, so I wasn't no liquor drinker. So it was like, I, we can't drink no liquor. I didn't do no beer. So when he started talking about smoking, they're like, okay, I can do the smoking. You know what I'm saying? And then, of course, they had in Afghanistan, they had Afghan cooks. You can, like, pick it up on the side of the road. So, you know, every now and then, people just going to bump a little spit for something. Hold on, time out. So that shit for real like that? Yeah, in the mountains. Yeah, you can actually go pick up weed on the side of the on So the it side. just grow like that? Yeah, it just, just grow. Wild, wild, wild herb. Yeah, you just pick it up out the ground. But it be budded up and everything. Now, it, now it probably smoked like some mid. It ain't like no, it ain't like no, yeah, it ain't that, but it, it'll work. Yeah, 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 for sure. Especially if you ain't got that. Yeah, it, yeah, it'll do. You know what I'm saying? But it's, man, he's a court marshal for us for all of that, man. You know what I'm saying? Because people be post-traumatic trauma, man. You in there that, that long way from your house, man, you seeing stuff like that. So they used to start stirring people up. So that's how, you know, smoking was kind of like my little thing. You know what Damn, I'm saying? Damn, could you imagine me over that motherfucker? What? Yeah, it used to be on, literally on the side of the mountaintops. Like, you can just, like, walking walk around, you see something over there, like a little patch. You know, it's just a little patch of it, and you just grab some. Man, I'm, I'm, I be saying, hey, Jim, Jim, hey, Jim. <laughs> man, you already know what's going on, boy. I got about five of these bitches, boy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Man, God damn, man. I'm going to find my ass up. I need to smoke one. Man, them boy get on all kind of stuff out there. Man, just deal with it, man. Just get by day to day. So, when you used to get that stuff in the mail, anything in the mail, man, dude. One cat named uh, named Boots, man. Dude used to get like a big, big old tr- treasure trunk, cartons of cartons of everything. You know what I'm saying? Cartons of everything. So it was a, it was a good experience for me to see, and that's how I found out I like smoking, man. I like smoking recreationally, and yeah. that was good, and that was good for me. Uh, so then I just had to find some balance, and that's uh, and that and that led me to the business. And I'm like, hey, man, me, millions of people like smoking for different reasons, and all people don't smoke. Just so they for for recreational purposes, you know, people smoke for medicinal purposes. People smoke for depression, you know, which I guess medicinal itself. But networking opportunities and uh, and that was the biggest thing for me at the time. I was you know I was a jet, so I'm 22, 23, so I'm trying to figure my way out. Uh, my only thing was I could not go back to Jackson without a bag. That is you saying? Yeah. So that's where we was at with it. You ever you ever so somebody ever tried to get you to roll some weed in this shit? Yeah. You ever roll some weed in one of them big yeah. motherfucker for? Yeah. You ain't like that motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Oh shit, man. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. I got you. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Nah, man. I want to um your whole setup. Mm-hmm. Did you already had a setup plan in your mind, or it kind of you kind of built it? It evolved, man. Uh, for me, dude, I kind of try to. Uh, so what you'll hear me explain throughout this process is I compared it like being in grandma's kitchen. You know what I'm saying? Grandma know where everything at. You know what I'm saying? She know where her spices at, her herbs at, her spices, her, 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 all her utensils. Same thing for this for me. I didn't want it to, because uh, most people equate this to being like a Cuban thing. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> so they, they negate any other any other culture that embraces tobacco or uses tobacco for spiritual reasons or health reasons. So I just kind of wanted to make it my own. So this kind of like came out. You know what I'm saying? I started on like a roll, like a little simple table like that. And, uh... It just went. It wasn't me. I'm like, yo, this ain't this ain't I, this ain't speaking to my personality and who I am. So let me figure out a better way 
to articulate myself and some family stuff. You know what I'm saying? So that's what a lot of this stuff is. You know what, what I'm you saying? Find, what you find that motherfucker right now? With This table right yeah. here? Oh man, it was actually a card table. It was two pieces, and we uh, end up me and my friend. I'm taking it, taking it apart at a thrift store and putting it back together, and uh, and that's and that's became the table that we got now. And it was just a cool table. I'm like, yo, this is what I want because I was really looking at the antique feet at the time. You know what I'm saying? For me, mm. I'm like, I thought it was cool. It was a vintage aesthetic. So what I wanted to put off was like that old school. I like when you introduced me it was like the whole. Harlem Renaissance type of thing, you know what I'm saying? Uh, old Cotton Club vibes, and that was a big deal for me. So that's what we started doing, and uh, <clears throat> this came together over a couple of years, man. Uh, actually, when I ran into a bump in the road while I was trying to figure out how I was going, how I was going to charge people more money, mm-hmm. it was like because I was doing it. Man, I started my first event I ever rode. It was five for five hundred dollars, and I drove to Houston for it, five hundred dollars from Mississippi. $500. So, you know, of course, you know, I ain't made no, I ain't took no money home. But it was the opportunity for me. And I could tell why, like, yo, I got the talent. I got the, I got the, the attire. It's like, you know, what what else could make me ha- charge more? And my brother, Sean Harris, man, told me, hey, man, invest in better equipment. You know what I'm saying? And I had to go back to an old saying when my grandma used to put me on. You know what I'm saying? It ain't what you know or who you know. It's what it looked like. My grandma said, you need to look like money. And people spend that on that. You know what I'm saying? So that's how, I'm like, so let me start. Figuring it out. So I started getting on Pinterest and shit like that, looking up uh, interior design, seeing how the ladies like stuff. You know what I'm saying? Because I, when, I, when I, I, what I found is whatever whatever ladies like is what's hot. You know what I'm saying? They, they price it up. If the women think it's cute, the women think it's nice, they, 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 mark, they mark the price up. So you got to spend that on that. And that's what I wanted to articulate. And that's what I took my time with to kind of get my little thing. And then at the time, I was trying to make sure I could pack it all up in the car. I ain't got no big truck, no big trailer. Throw that junk in the camera. All this can go in the camera. That's dope. That was a nice setup from the suitcase to the side to the table to tomahawk on it. What the hell that thing is right there? Uh, the iron. This yeah. right here, a guillotine cutter. So this is what you actually chop the edge out with. So you will see me when I roll this, roll the cigar. You will see me actually cut the end off with this. Yes, yeah, that's and you can do it with your hands with this knife. This is a cutting knife. It's called a chevetta. So this is a rolling knife. It's not a slicing knife. It's a rolling knife. You know what I'm saying? Like a pendulum, if you will. Uh, so these are the two knives, two utensils that you really need to make a cigar. Well, how you end up getting your, uh, your uh, <coughs> sage sage tray? Oh man, so uh, we took, went to like a little old apothecary, like an old herbal store. Thought it was cool at first. I would just burn it, like I just take the actual stick and just wave it around and stuff. But then I'm like, hey man, how can we figure out another cooler way to kind of relax? So I went to like a herbal store, found a little cool she shell. And we're like, oh, that's fine. You know what I'm saying? Put it up on the table for a nice aesthetic. And the only thing I was really trying to do was make sure everything color coordinated at least. You know, so no matter what I'm wearing, if it's brown, it go. You know what I'm saying? Right. So whatever I, whatever I throw with it for outfit size, I ain't complicated. Normally, I lay all this stuff out on like a cowhide rug or something like that. You know what I'm saying? So, of course, then normally I had like my little tray, kind of like where you at. They'd be like a lantern on it, like a lit lantern. And I had like my lighters and cutters for people to kind of come grab their utensils or whatnot. They want to leave a tip. They can leave it in the tip jar over there. You know what I'm saying? And that's normally my setup, bro. It was efficient for me. It was cost effective. And the biggest thing for me on the business side was I ain't had to keep rebuying that stuff. Like, I bought it, it done. Done, facts. You, you know good. What I'm you keep rocking with it. And, and so everything that I make after that profit. I'm going to see how you roll them motherfucker, man. All right, so we can start. Oh, yeah, this my favorite part right here. How you roll them motherfucker? So man. welcome to class, everybody, with Chief, man. So we, what we finna do is make a cigar for my boy Parlay. <clears throat> so. You mind if I like walk everybody through this so that they mm-hmm. hearing this? All right, so it's three parts to a cigar. And uh, excuse the ladies in, in the room and the ladies that's going to be watching. This is the analogy that I learned, so please bear with me. Uh, when you think about cigars, we think about three parts. And y'all can, women can apply this to a man, men can apply this to a woman, but it's a simple way for y'all to understand it. 
uh, it's three parts. What you're smoking is considered the filler. All right, that'll be these on this side. And just like just like with regular food, you can combine them multiple ways. You can do uh, two parts one leaf, two parts another, and it'll make different blends. So the 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 recipe is up to you. So like in this particular thing right here, I got uh, Mexican San Andreas Lajero. Lajero is used for strength. So it's pretty much how strong or potent you want to make the cigar. And then you got Seiko, and this is a Mexican uh, San Andreas Seiko, which Seiko is for aroma and some flavor on your palate, all right? So then, all right, what I'm doing now is crafting out the binder. So this right here would be your filler. This would be like your lady in the birthday suit, you know what I'm saying, how come stock, what you're what you partaking in. All right, this leaf that I got right here is a binder leaf. It's what holds everything together. So I, wanna, I want you to think about, you know, for the fellas, you went and bought your lady a nice set of lingerie from the store, or she on her fitness bag, so she got the waist trainer and everything. That's what holds everything together right here. All right, and then your wrapper leaf. There's a waist trainer. Yeah, yeah, the waist trainer right here to hold everything together. You know what I'm saying? And then the wrapper leaf is what you see the visual uh, presentation, and that's gonna be your uh, your dress, the nice pair of earrings, the nice pair of shoes that you may partake in. That's so that's the three parts of the cigar: birthday suit, lingerie. Dress, lubricants, heels, lashes, nails, you know, the whole, you know, whole gamut. All right. And then you got your final product that you're ready to take a visual and sensory experience in. All right. So now we got that on, out the way. Now we're going to start making the cigar. <clears throat> so, again, I told you all that the binder is what's holding everything together. So the process that I'm doing right now is deveining the cigar. And what we mean by deveining is one leaf, one leaf will make, will make one cigar if you're making it for the binder is concerned. So, of course, now you got two parts. Now you got two parts. Two parts. All right? So now you got to get some real estate. Now, at one point in time, y'all, I did not believe that I would ever use geometry again. But uh, but in this business, you got to use geometry. So it shapes now. So now we, we pick out some real estate. We want to make sure that the, the leaf is not dry. As you can see, Parley, that, that this got a little oil to it. It got some oil to it. All right? That's what you want. But, see, at this point, this, see, this is going underneath. It don't matter if it got some holes in it, all right? So, you know, it don't matter if it got some holes in it, all right, for this particular thing. So, so now we, what we got now is a, is, a, is a binder, all right? That's a binder, all right? So now when you start putting the inside of the tobacco together, this is, this is what you call making the blend. And again, Paula, you can do this however you want. But let's say right now, everybody, grandma or somebody, mama got like a recipe for like the dressing, macaroni and cheese, stuff like that. And you don't let people play with it for the first time unless they got it right. <clears throat> so you want some mild, medium or full? Some mild or strong? Or in the middle? In the middle. All right. So, in, so now, with these same two tobaccos, you can probably make about 60 to 70 different blends depending on how you want to do it. You can do two parts this, one part that, three parts this, another part that. So we're using two tobaccos, Seiko, Lajero. All right, so now what we're doing now is called bunching, all right? Or if you smoking herb, this would be the time when you grinding up your gas, you deciding you're going to make it some nuggets or however you're going to place it into the leaf to be rolled. That's, and this, this process is called bunching. So now in the, in the cigar vernacular, you got styles of that. You got the Antubo method, which is tra traditionally the Cuban method. Then you got the Encordian method. So I'll display both of them for you for, uh, so you can kind of understand what I'm putting down. Antubo... Think about you finna roll up a magazine and smack somebody on the top of the head. Roll it up just like a tube. So, like, so straight up tubular. That. Boom. All right. And the accordion method is half, a half fold, just like so. 
All right. So different ones give particular draws and flavors. You know what I'm saying? Pull out and highlight some of that stuff. So in this particular thing, I want a more open draw for you. Because I don't want you to complicate it and accidentally inhale, and then we had the same problems. I want to make it easy for you. Sure. All right, so we'll do a half fold, and that's the, that's the accordion method. So we're doing that now. And that's the fun part, man. So you get a chance to play with this. So when people come up to the bar, man, or come up to my table, man, they be like, hey, man, I'm drinking on some Don Julio, or I'm drinking on some, you know, some old school Crown Royal or something, then you can easily say, okay, all right, I know what to make you. You know what I'm saying? And, that, you, know, and you make them something custom. And that's the beautiful part about the experience. So what you're seeing me doing now is bunching, all right? It's not, it's not, it's not complicated, but it, it does require some kind of thought process to it. So I got four parts of the hair, uh, four parts Seiko, and that's to make sure it smells good, good room, though. So since we're in a nice space, we don't want to make sure it, it, it stinks, you know what I'm saying, all right? And then since we're going to make them uh, somewhere in the middle, we're not going to use a lot of the hair, which is what this is, you know what I'm saying? And, that, and that's, this is how cigars are made. Now, people do this all day. All day long, and they have somebody like a lector. They call them a lector. That person read to them, so they so they can't watch the TV. They get somebody to read. So right now we're gonna decide the shape, all right, or, or the size. So right now I'm making a robusto. So a robusto, I want you to think about it like this: uh, a robusto is 50 by five and a half inches long, 50 in the ring gauge, like size 50 ring gauge by five inches long. All right, so that's that's the size, and that that's a robusto. And the next size up would be called a toro, which is a 52 by six or six and a half. And that's how they, they differentiate all the sizes of cigar rolling, all the different sizes. And that's how they go. So right now I'm going to make you a Robusto. All right, so you see I tore the ends off. And then right now, this is the blending part. Now you place, you place certain stuff where you want it. If I wanted to change up, then I put stuff in different places. And then we get to the part when we actually roll the cigar, which is the part that, um, which is the part that most of the people can't wait to see. And then, of course, it's like trimming the hedges. Make sure you ain't got nothing, nothing loose standing out that you don't want to get in the way. And you make sure you ain't got no stems. You know what I'm saying? So in the herb, no seeds or no extra stems. You know what I'm saying? So you take the same, same thing, still apply. And so then once you got that, once you got that put together, then we put it, we put it on, we put it on to the, uh, onto the, to the binder leaf, and then we start rolling. And now this is where it normally gets difficult for most people because it's pressure. You gotta p- apply pressure with your fingertips, almost like if y'all, if y'all know somebody, grandma or son play organ in the church, playing that piano, old school pianos. You gotta have a lot of finger pressure. You gotta have some strong fingers, but you don't want to do too hard. You don't want to do too ma- uh, too soft. So what I what I would say, the safe thing always to treat it as a fellow rolling cigars. If you rolling cigars or trying to roll, is to treat it like you finna massage your girl, firm but still eloquent. You know what I'm saying? Not too soft, uh, not too soft, but not too hard. That way, the draw not bad. You know what I'm saying? You can see people roll the herb too tight. It don't smoke right. They roll it too loose. Everything falling out. Same, same situation apply to this. Same situation. And the key difference between this and herb rolling is that most people who roll herb roll inward. You know, it's a tuck motion. Roll and tuck. All right, this one here is a roll and extend the fingers. Roll and swipe. Roll and swipe. And that's what that's where we at now. And so you see here, you kind of get that tension. You get that tension right. And that's what we're looking for. And it's that bonding. And it's that bond, and it's supposed to look pretty when it come out. You know what I'm saying? And with this glue that I'm using right here, is a pectin glue. Mm-hmm. It's uh, so you got two kinds. You can get the kind that you can put in like Jello that you can eat, and the active ingredient in like chewing gum, or you can do like honey, tree sap, aloe vera plants. You know, saying stuff like that just to hold it together. So we don't we don't lick on it. You don't, you don't have to lick on it. And you can even use this type of glue when you rolling the herb. Okay. So let's say you smoking with. Uh, 
numerous amount of people, and you like, hey man, don't lick my blood. Yeah, man, put this shit yeah, on you this put shit. put some glue on it. You know what I'm saying? And they do the same thing. Completely, completely edible. Won't bother you at all. So that's so now this is this here is when I'm checking checking for pressure, checking for pressure, making sure I don't feel no lumps. You know what I'm saying? Make sure I don't do not feel any lumps at all, cause that'll make that'll make it bad. Oh, I'm probably you hit the lot on this uh, on this uh, on this man. I, you know, run me some. Cause they're my lucky cigars. I done had people hit 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 at casino. Everything. Mm. My first one. So the first one I roll at every event is always my lucky one. All right, and you just seen me use a guillotine cutter. I'm explaining this. So keep this on your mind about what backwoods made out of. We gonna we gonna we gonna visit that. And then now we putting on that dress. <clears throat> this the dress. You know what I'm saying? Rappelese, as you can see, Rappelese got a little more sheen to them. You know what I'm saying? They're more pliable. You want to think about leather. As you can see it from here, that's that leather feel. And as you've been smoking something like that, they that treated you well. All right. And the type of uh, leaf this is right here is an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, which means it's, you know, it's mild. Nice, nice in the middle. Not, not too strong. Not too weak. Habano is a Spanish word for regular. You know what I'm saying? Or, or normal. Or natural, if you will. And, uh, and that's that. So... Take the same thing, but with the wrapper, I can roll a whole nother cigar with this. So, you know what I'm saying? You just sit, sit down on the, I sit down, normally sit down on the back of my head and, you know what I'm saying, come back and visit it when I'm ready. And so you sort that out. So now you see with this, look how I'm doing with my hands, my fingers. The fingers is a, a massaging thing, never putting the palms on top of the leaves, always putting the, the fingers on it and just spread, spread. And when you still want to do it, make sure you bring them creases up. And then you pick pick the angle you're trying to cut at, what kind of shape you're trying to make. And this is where you see I'm going to roll. Roll, then slide out. And that's the shape. That's, that's pretty much the shape in which you will roll the cigar. And you see now, that's the shape for it. All right? That's the shape. And then just occasionally, you know what I'm saying, if you want to put you know, some glue just to make sure it don't come loose, then you know, you're welcome to do that. And most people do. I do. You know what I'm saying? So then you decide. Make sure. Same thing here, but at this particular point, you want to kind of be like a tension belt. So you don't want your hand all the way up on it, but you want it close enough where it do get some tension. And then, roll that joint on in. Roll that joint on in. And this, my friend, it's a whole cigar right here. And it's a pigtail, what you uh, what you seeing me doing. That's, a, that's a, what we call a pigtail. That's my favorite style. Like, you know what I'm saying? So now, with, with cigar rolling, people kind of had a style. Like, salt base sprinkle, salt on top of hitting me. JoJo made, you know what I'm saying, slap some sauce on that joint. Same thing for me. My favorite style is rolling the pigtail. That's my, you know, for my, for my live function. And then, now, that's a complete cigar right there, Parlay. Yeah, that's a, that's a complete cigar right there. That's a complete one. So, so now, when you get ready to cut it, now this the etiquette piece. So I got you, matter of fact, this for you to take home. This your matching cut, your <laughs> this your cutter, your cutter in, your, uh, in a lighter set, you know what I'm saying, for you to take take with you. So anytime, anytime, yeah, you, anytime you smoking, you can kind of, you know what I'm saying, uh, enjoy that. And that's the same thing with what I got. And what I do is I cut that for you if you need me to. Uh, but you want to cut it on the cap, like right at the cap. And, I, and, I, and while you doing that. Cut it one time, show me one time. I'm going to fuck it up. So... Right, right here on the shoulders. What you want to think about is on the shoulders up here. You don't want to go down into it, but right on the shoulders because you don't want this to unravel. So you just put put it in right there, right up top. Boom, that's it. And then you, that's the cap right there. And that's how you, that's that's how you got your good one going. And then 
You fired up. You already got the right torch, so the torch good. You got like the torch you already using, fired up. But the key thing is, don't inhale. And you don't already smoke one folks, so you already know what to do already. <laughs> yeah, so you already know what to do. Yeah, just don't inhale. And that's the, and that's the cigar rolling process. Now, man, of course, now you can do different sizes, you can do different shapes, you can do different blends, countries of origin, all of that. You know what I'm saying? And, that, and that's a big part about tobacco that makes things sweet. Oh, yeah. These rotated. Just like that. And you smoking. Yeah! Yeah! That's my little flavor. Yeah! yeah. And, 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 and the thing about, man, with tobacco, bro, uh, especially smoking like a cigar, that buzz will creep up on you. You know what I'm saying? It'll, it, so cigars is a complimentary item. You know what I'm saying? So I want you to think about it like that. And for the guests to think about it like that. Man, you can always include a cigar in some pee, man, no matter what you're doing. You know, you you chicken, uh, kicking back. You know, you don't smoke your nice little thing of herb with your lady. You don't have your glass of yak. Fire you up a guy after. You know what I'm saying? Which is the same way. Most folks like hit up like a mile or something afterwards. You know what I'm saying? Cigar's still good. But then it's also one of them, um, one of them things that's a good conversation piece, bro. It's always a good conversation piece. And that was the main thing for me. And that's what I be trying to tell folks. Like, hey, man, even if you don't smoke them every day, it's like liquor. You know what I'm saying? If you go to the bar, you should know how to order liquor because you never know when you may have to do that for somebody. Same thing, you never, never know you get invited to a wedding and they say, hey, he'll probably hear a cigar or you go to a golf course for a business meeting and everybody's smoking in the country club and you don't want to be the person who ain't never had a cigar for. You know what I'm saying? You want to at least say, well, I don't partake often, but in this particular time, you know what to do. You know what I'm saying? And that's, and that's always been my uh, been my thing. My I'm going to keep a few of yours. I'm going to pull these bitches up. <laughs> my partner made these, nigga. You talking about? <laughs> yeah, I bet your partner don't make them. Yeah, oh, facts. The hell is he facts. saying? Yeah, and, that's, no, the, and that's, the, uh, that's the beautiful part about the crowd, man. So um, what you just did, so for the people who... May not know when you like the cigar. This is when it's cultural, not. So this is for my people, for my people to understand just how rich our culture is, man. You just partake in the Cohiba ritual. Mm -hmm. So they talked about the Tayanos people. The Tayanos people will will be uh, be uh, now like a Trinidad people, people from like Jamaica, people from like Cuba, uh, mm -hmm. certain parts of Mexico. The Tayanos had a the shaman or the priest was called the Bahike. And anytime you light up, a, even if you fire up your herb, you participate in the Cohiba ritual. And essentially what happens is they waiting for spirit to get them like cool guidance on it. And that's what you're dealing with right now. So when you light it, light it up right now, when you light, when you light anything up, you participate in the Cohiba ritual, which is our people's stuff, man. That ain't nobody else's stuff, man. It's our stuff. Nah, respect. That's man. our stuff. Our yeah, y'all know I always like to leave on, on diamonds and diamonds and jewels drop, man. Definitely. Hey, man, tell everybody where they can follow you at, dog. Oh, no doubt, man. So for the tribe worldwide, man, you can check me out, man, on Instagram at Sartorial Tobacconist. Man, you can follow my uh, my business page at Dreamer Cigars. And you can find me on YouTube at Sartorial Tobacconist. And check out my website, which is SartorialTobacconist.com. Anytime, any place, anywhere, feel free to parlay with me. I love to chop, with you, chop it up with you. Man, till next time, man. You already know. It's your boy Parlay. Live from DJ House Studios. When the pop me on Parlay. Meet me in the apartment.